ball bearings. Known for being metal. Famous for balls. Nobody thinks much about them, so let's have some fun. Let's find out why ball bearings are secretly incredibly fascinating. Welcome to a whole new podcast episode, a podcast all about why being alive is more interesting than people think it is. My name is Alex Schmidt, and I'm not alone. I'm joined by Sam Reich and Mike Trapp. And I hope you know Sam and Mike's work from all sorts of things, such as collegehumor.com and Dropout, the streaming service. Dropout has original comedy sketches. It has tabletop role-playing gaming done in an amazing way. Also, it has its own game shows. And actually, Sam hosts a show called Game Changer. Mike hosts a show called Um Actually. They're both each their own thing and fantastic. And Sam and Mike each have their own things going on, too. But it's yeah, I really want to highlight Dropout because it's independent video comedy online that is worth streaming, worth supporting. Like it, if, if you're looking for funny videos on the Internet, as many people are, Dropout's the place to be. Also, I've gathered all of our zip codes and used Internet resources like native-land.ca to acknowledge that I recorded this on the traditional land of the Canarsie and Lenape peoples. Acknowledge Sam and Mike each recorded this on the traditional land of the Gabrielinia Wartongva and Keech and Chumash peoples. And acknowledge that in all of our locations, native people are very much still here. That feels worth doing on each episode, and today's episode is about... Ball bearings. Ball bearings are a patron-chosen topic. Many thanks to Stephen Daniels for that suggestion, also to Brett T. Giffen, to Heather E., and some other folks on the Patreon for either supporting that suggestion or independently suggesting it. I loved researching this topic because ball bearings are truly something that is the title of the podcast. So, please sit back or spill a bunch of ball bearings and then do the physical comedy of almost slipping on them a bunch. Like your arms are spinning and you're like, whoop, 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 but you never fall. I don't want you to fall. I just want the physical comedy. Either way, here's this episode of Secretly Incredibly Fascinating with Sam Reich and Mike Trapp. I'll be back after we wrap up. Talk to you then. Sam, it is so good to have you both on the show. And I always start by asking guests their relationship to the topic or opinion of it. So either of you can start, but how do you feel about ball bearings? <laughs> Extremely strongly. I have strong Powerfully. feelings about ball bearings. <laughs> uh, uh, no, I, I don't have the strongest feelings about ball bearings, but I do have, I, I guess when I saw that my my two immediate thoughts were, my wife does roller derby and her oh, cool. uh, skate wheels have ball bearings in them. And it's it was a fairly regular occurrence that she would have to remove the bearings and clean them uh, as like part of her, like keeping her skates up up to to snuff. And I totally. don't totally understand what was going on there. It's like, oh, yeah, of course, you got to clean your ball bearings. It's like, I can, uh, yeah, I guess that's important. But uh, I don't <laughs> if you ask me like exactly what they're doing. Uh, I, I don't know if I could tell you. And similarly, I, I, I remember... When I was, uh, and I'm curious to hear to what you have to say, because when I was living in Korea, this was in like 98, 99, somewhere around there, there was a, 
there was like um a very short-lived like yo-yo craze and i was never totally sure if this was something that extended Mm. to the rest of the world or the u.s um or if it was just this particular area but um Mm. yo-yos for like three months got like super popular and then and then faded away into when the next big thing came along but in that brief hmm. period i remember there were like trick yo-yos and like that were designed to like spin for longer and stuff and those had the number of the number of bearings and springs and there was like whoa this one's gonna go forever it's got eight ball bearings in there uh and similarly it was like <laughs> i don't know why you're saying that does that but i believe you it's a little magic uh <laughs> totem that will do I what mean, it says wow theoretically yo-yos must have been popular at some point like originally what you're saying is like this was like a yo-yo renaissance yeah well you yeah. tell me was there a I, yo-yo renaissance in 1999 no. where you lived in in the u.s <laughs> absolutely not alex I, I i weirdly have a memory of it i did not get into it but i remember like everybody in middle school was suddenly like i learned 10 yo-yo tricks over the summer and i was like i yeah. did not i missed the boat but cool that's <laughs> <Wow>. great <laughs> i do feel like it came and went super fast like like yeah, it really and- a blip yeah and it was for me. It was like, oh, I I love this craze because it's like, oh, the thing that's that's fatty is like, is a very cheap like affordable toy, and then it's just <laughs> like, can you learn how to yeah. do a couple of like kind of simple tricks that like you just have to practice like a tiny bit and be like, oh, I I know how to rock the cradle now. Um, yeah. Uh, so is it, this ninety nine, a ninety eight, ninety nine, somewhere in that okay. general area, and then yeah. Uh, yeah, just as quickly as it came, it it seemed to to die out. So this was post swing dance, or was it post swing dance? <laughs> this was around the same period as swing dance. Um, <laughs> yeah. For a brief pre, maybe of time. Pre, actually, you know what? I'm going to say pre swing dance because I think, yeah. uh, I think, I think this was it was before, slightly before. Yeah, but definitely like post pog. Definitely post pog. We're living in a post pog yeah. world here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> There were so many dexterity hobbies back then. Man, oh man, I can't, I can't do that stuff at all. Are kidding me? So that is my that is the extent of my relationship to ball bearings. Sam, how about you? Yeah, Alex, in your email to us, you were like, "If you don't know what this is, like, don't Google it." And I, yes. I took that to heart. I, I, I think to Trap's point that this, and I could very well be embarrassing myself, but that this falls. Under the general topic of mechanical engineering, I believe. Yeah. I'm relieved that that Mike said yo-yos because my one reference for ball bearings, which could be accurate or not, is I believe that they power fidget spinners. Uh, because oh. during the, the yeah. fidget spinner craze, I remember reading Never some heard of like... <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> this would have been, uh, been post- uh, yo-yo post swing dance <laughs> sure. um that uh i was reading some like think piece on fidget spinners and i believe that ball bearings uh had a role to play a role um, makes sense hey a role, there if we you go. go i'm gonna be a doing role. that all episode <laughs> a lot of ball material here we go yeah. here we go uh yeah ball, I, I, round roll uh sphere <laughs> circle i'm just getting ready just training my brain <laughs> It's like one of these things where, like, the I feel like the first time I encountered them, it would have been like, "Oh, what are these for?" And my dad would just been like, "They're ball bearings." And when I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> I'm like, that's enough of an answer." And then even once, like, even like if you ask me now, like, and then like around I guess yo-yo time, be like, "What's the deal with these ball bearings?" 
things? What are they doing? Yeah. And I feel like someone would have been like, oh, well, you know, they um, they spin while the other thing is spinning, and that helps it spin. And I would go, okay. And, that, and again, like, f- clearly yeah. follow-up questions yeah. are required here. Like, there's, yes. like I just sort of accept that it's sort of this, like, oh, it's like a, uh, like, clearly, like, I, I'm sure there's going to be centrifugal force involved and uh, spinning yeah. s- wheels within wheels. I, I have this sense of, like, that's sort of, like, what's going on here. I, but But if you ask me, like, to explain it right now i would just sort of be like magic it's just uh yeah. things spin and then it helps <laughs> I mean, it spin some more <laughs> that's true of so much of mechanical engineering where it's just like a total <laughs> russian nesting doll of wikipedia articles you know yeah. i mean it's like oh it's balls that you know physically behave like this well how no, well why well there's no more humbling experience to me than like going to look something up on wikipedia and learning that even the wikipedia article is too complicated for you to understand <laughs> like, like it usually happens to be like sometimes i'll like someone will mention some like mathematical concept or, or like a, a weird math paradox or something and be like oh what's what's this how does this work or like some of those like unsolvable math problems and be like yeah tell me about this what makes it unsolvable and even to understand the base level it's like i just i'm like oh no i'm, I'm lost from sentence one totally. yeah i i am glad because ball bearings it turns out are in like many things but the the physics it turns out are pretty simple and i was really glad that i could digest your food it. yeah that's what i was thinking there's ball too. bearings in your yeah. beef yeah the way you said that it, it sounded like an old like 1950s like ball bearings and you ball bearings are in everything the food you eat the air we breathe the Why air ball breathe. bearings are everywhere see this plane you'd fly out of the sky if not for ball bearings just, <laughs> just footage of people choking on tiny metal balls like oh Yes, ball bearings. <laughs> Your cereal. Your dogs can't run without them. Little, little pellets ricocheting everywhere. People are ducking. <laughs> well, Jimmy, if not for ball bearings, you'd fall apart in an instant. Your limbs would you're be on say, the floor. You're saying ball bearings keep me together? <laughs> Yeah, because I normally the show starts with a set of stats and numbers about the thing, but this week I want to start with one big takeaway of what it is. Uh, and so here we go into takeaway number one. Ball bearings are a mechanical middleman for machine parts, especially parts that turn. Ah. Yeah. God, that's so simple. Alex, I feel like you just distilled a lot of, like, what would have easily been 10 sentences on Wikipedia into something that I can really wrap my head around. So thanks. Yeah, sure. It's like, it's basically like, instead of having a lubricant, you have a sphere is kind of the idea. Is that sort of right? Like you have two things that are spinning within each other. And rather than having like things rubbing against each other, uh, to like make them like slide against each other, you just put a sphere there and like, well, now you're just going to roll and you'll roll nice and smooth. And like two things, two nested things spinning within each other will roll nice and smooth. If they have a bunch of, if they're surrounded by a bunch of little balls. Hmm. Exactly right. Yeah, that's that's a great way to put it. Like the super important uh, like physics thing here is friction because a ball Mm -hmm. is only touching a little bit of a surface. So, for example, a wheel and an axle, if the the flat surfaces of the wheel and axle are touching each other all over, bunch of friction. But if there's a ball bearing Mm -hmm. inside of that, it's just the tips of the balls all the time. Yeah. If Mm. that makes sense. Mm. 
the tip of a yeah, ball? Is I, that a kind of a ball? Yeah, sorry. I, 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 I was immediately, my brain was going, he's like, Alex said tip of the balls. Hold on a second. There's something here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's going to happen a lot too. Um, yeah. I mean, what immediately comes up for me is this thing of like, yeah, but there's still friction there. I mean, there's got to be so some. small. Yeah. So small, uh-huh. just just the gentlest touch, the the a single point on your ball uh, to, yeah. to touch. Not there's not that the much gentlest, the, the gentlest, gentlest. <laughs> tiny little stroke. I yeah, but like, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Ball bearings must you. You're probably getting here, Alex, and I just jumped like ten chapters into Jump in. your your programming plan. But like, <laughs> ball bearings must wear out. They do. They yeah. must get worn down. Yeah. And they can break in there too. And so that's like, it's a key maintenance thing that people do. And and then in a lot of cases, it's easier to replace just bearings instead of letting the main things rub against each other and break each other. So so it's also handy that way. Oh. Once again, wear down the middleman. <laughs> Let them take the fall <laughs> yeah. for everything. Yeah. Um, uh, and and I and I guess they would need need cleaning, as I said. My my wife cleaning her roller skates, which I, I uh yeah. Uh, but even now, I'm like, it's okay. Yeah, I guess I, I see what's happening here. Like they're they're keeping the the wheels spinning nicely. I don't know what is getting dirt. I just just dirt. Does dirt collect in there? Dirt and mm. if people go online, they'll see like hundreds of different diagrams of ball bearings. But the the general structure is usually hard metal balls, usually steel, and then they're in some kind of groove or trough that they can roll through. Mm-hmm. And then there's like outer and inner ring around that. And so sometimes there's some open space where stuff could get in. Other times there's not. But but yeah, especially if you're in like a competitive sport where your roller skates need to be faster than the other person. That's an advantage. Like you want to keep that clean and ready to go. Mm. It's mm. harnessing the power of a marble slide to, for mechanical mm. advantage. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it also turns out I've never played like marbles as a sport where you're hitting marbles against each other. But the ones <laughs> called steelies, those are just ball bearings that people are using. Like it's just a metal yeah. marble. Did you say as a sport, Alex? Is that what you said? Is that or that's uh, very game is probably to the, fairer to the yeah. marbling community? <laughs> How dare you? Say, there's someone very offended. There. No, it is a sport. You can watch it on ESPN 26. <laughs> I mean, I'm more likely to watch that than I am some sports. I be super into competitive marbling um (laughs) yeah but uh but yeah and i'll i'll have links to super visual versions of this but the the general thing is is this almost surprisingly basic physics thing of just there's less friction on a ball than there is on solid surfaces touching each other like whole flat surfaces Mm -hmm. and uh that's that's it that's just the principle and then from there they're sort of endlessly in machines. Like as I was prepping this, I was like, why don't I make a list of the things that have ball bearings in them? And then it's basically every machine that has a turning or spinning element. Like like I there were like blogs for people who fish where it was like, here's how the ball bearings in your fishing rod work for the reel. And like it's it's in huh. everything from giant planes to the littlest stuff. Are there wow. Are there aficionados of ball bearings? Like in the same way there are like experts. Like um like people get super into like trains and people get like are are there are there people who like <laughs> for whom the ball bearings like is not it's not just a part of a machine. It's like no no, I'm into these these little spheres. Wow. <laughs> I, I didn't find them. I, f- I feel like I kept finding aficionados of stuff 
And then as part of it, they're like, and I learned how to nail the bearings. I'm so good at it. Uh, there, a, a ball bearing subreddit where people are posting pictures of their like favorite turning functions being like, look at how smooth this is. And let's take a look at the inside. Yeah. This is so rude to the ball bearings, though, because it's like it's like, oh, these ball bearings are essential to all these incredible machines we use every day. Uh, we don't care about the bearings themselves. Uh, but those uh, I love I love fishing. I love these other things. But uh, uh, but the actual bearings, yeah. no, they wear out, throw them away, get a new one. Who cares? Yeah, they're <laughs> propping us up. They're propping us up. They deserve more credit, which is what this podcast is all about. Yeah. Yeah, I, I never think about And they're especially inside of a lot of mechanisms, I feel like. So if they're not visible on the surface, you're like, I don't know, that just turns. And then you walk away. Like, you just don't <laughs> put any totally. thought into it. <laughs> it makes you wonder, like, before we were turning things, what were we doing? Like, before the ball bearing... Did things just go, you know, up, down, left, right? Did nothing? Were there were there no yeah. smooth smooth turns before ball bearings? <laughs> the the sense I get is there were endless kind of bearings, or they just let flat surfaces touch each other. Yeah, like there were yeah, uh, right. very like there's... bones knocking into each other without cartilage. We just let things like wear terribly down. Yeah, yeah, um, and there, there's like wooden versions of bearings. There's also well, we won't get into it. There's just other kinds of bearings in general. Uh, a similar one is roller bearings, where instead of balls, it's cylinders, like small cylinders. And they especially use that for applications where the bearing needs to hold a lot of weight. Like a cylinder can be a little stronger for that. Hmm. Uh, but there, th- that's a truly endless engineering rabbit hole that is is everything in the world. <laughs> And with all mechanical engineering, the, the rest of the show is all about these ball bearings all over the place. And the next fascinating thing about them is a quick set of fascinating numbers and statistics. Oh, good. And this week, that's in a segment called, I'm counting numbers tonight. Knock on your door. One, two, three, four. I need glasses for my eyes, cause I'm reading stats at this time. And uh, it was submitted by Willow Tanager. We have a new name for this every week. Please make it as silly and wacky and bad as possible. Submit to SipPod on Twitter or to SipPod at gmail.com. I love that. That trap and i were laughing the whole time at that but silently in order so that your listeners will get the sense that we were staring at you in dead silence yes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah that was that was some pro <clears throat> containing it i really that was really uh not even needed but thoughtful thank you yeah no we're just <laughs> claiming that we were laughing the whole time we were actually just steely stared <laughs> confused mouth stares. agape yeah, we were, Sam and I were sidebarring with each other over text, like, what's going on right now? <laughs> I cut out the part where I shouted, no, come back. You know, there was a lot of that, a lot of begging. Uh, I, yeah. I think I lost this your is, connection for a second. Yeah. This is the next day. Yeah. <laughs> right now. Alex had to, like, take to email. He showed up to my house and begged me to come back. <laughs> Well, and the the first number here is about an astoundingly small ball bearing. It is 1.49 millimeters. Oh, that's uh, very small. Which is yeah, it's less than 0.06 inches. Uh, so it's the diameter of the world's smallest ball bearing, 1.49 millimeters. Well, that's less than two millimeters. Uh, <laughs> it's definitely less than two. It's more than one. <laughs> Not quite 1.5 millimeters, though. More than one. What is the smallest ball bearing used for? 
And it, it turns out it's a, a Japanese manufacturer rolled these out. It's called Minabea Mitsumi Incorporated, and these are for a specific part of wristwatches. Uh, there's oh, a piece called the Tourbillon, oh, sure. which is like an additional mechanical stabilizer that needs the tiniest ball bearings commercially available. Wristwatches are themselves just total black magic. It's it's amazing <laughs> that we managed yeah. to pour as much mechanical engineering as we did into these teeny tiny devices like as long ago as we did. I mean, we've been yeah. doing this for what, like, again, I'm going to embarrass myself, but hundreds of years. Something like that. How long has time been around? <laughs> <laughs> Because before time was invented, we were like, I don't know. I'm, I couldn't tell you what, what we're doing. <laughs> I'm really into TikTok in general, but this like sub genre of TikTok video, these folks who clean mechanical watches and they like take oh. old watches that are super grimy and they pull them apart. I'm sure I've stared directly into a ball bearing and just not known what I was looking at. And they have all these specialized little tools and chemicals they use to to clean everything just so. And then you watch as they carefully put everything back into place. It's so satisfying. I feel like um, I I would like to see a video like that. But then at the end of it, the camera pans over and you just see one little tiny cog that they forgot to put in. And it's like, (laughs) oh, no, no, no. Where where was this supposed to go? Heavy sigh. (laughs) And yeah. the rest of the watch just bursts into flames. Like, ah, well, yeah. that's my fault. <laughs> These tiny ball bearings, they're also like the thing that ball bearing companies are excited to try to achieve. The most exciting like engineering challenge is to make great small ones. And so there, there's huh. information about the biggest ball bearings in the world. But on some level, that's kind of easier because as you get bigger and bigger, it's just huge. And like the precision is easier to get right. I mean, why is it really that we can't go smaller or is it that we don't have a good reason to? Because we make like microchips that are the size of an atom or something. Like why why can't we make oh, ball bearings yeah. that are one millimeter as opposed to one point? <laughs> that's insane. <laughs> that's insane, Sam. You can't it just, just no, no, one point four nine. That's the smallest you can go. You can't go one millimeter. That's insane. You're talking out of your ass right now, Sam. I, I, I can't handle this right now. One I will, millimeter I will ball bearing. That mere moments ago, I did not know what a ball bearing was, but I'm ready to say I think it's ridiculous. We can't go smaller. I, I, I think I just, you're yeah. ridiculous. Demanding one millimeter ball bearings. I mean, well, oh, God. <laughs> This is as I researched this, I definitely developed Great British Bake Off brain, where you suddenly are like, that's not a creme pat. That's a stupid creme pat. Everybody knows how to make creme pat. That you just heard of it two seconds ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's a great question. Like I, I get the sense it's the need for an application because because this watch yes. part is so tiny and you know, it probably would get prohibitively expensive without a reason to mass produce it to make like a smaller and smaller bearing. Yeah. And the best information I could find on the world's largest standard ball bearing, uh, it's a Swedish manufacturer named SKF, and they make one that is for mining equipment, like huge mining equipment. I don't know exactly what part of the equipment, but Mm. it's a bearing that's more than a meter long. Oh, my God. And they each weigh almost eight metric tons. That is definitely both larger and heavier than i was expecting for the largest ball bearing <laughs> yeah and now i'm on the opposite I'm on the opposite side of that particular ball bearing where i'm like that's too big 
Yeah. <laughs> we, we can do we can do that with less. I'm convinced. Whatever that is. No, I we think need it could be smaller. It's for it's for a really big yo-yo, Sam. And we, it's that yo, that big yo-yo is not going to spin the way you want it to without those big old ball bearings. The world's largest fidget spinner. <laughs> And the uh, next number here is a year. This is the history of them. It's 1883. And 1883 is when, like, the modern industrial ball bearing was invented. Oh, like, the first person, wow. the challenge was to build a machine that cranks these out at a very precise level and way so you can use them as bearings. And the first really good industrial version of that was from Friedrich Fischer, a German huh. inventor in the town of Schweinfurt in Bavaria. Wow. Before that, we were hand-making ball bearings. The, the, your local ballsmith <laughs> would, uh, would, would craft them at a rate of only, you know, 30 you know a what? day. I, I'd argue those old ones tasted better. You know, you could really taste the love that, that went into each handcrafted ball bearing. Um, you know, like the, yeah. the, are this well, the industrial... Yeah, for yeah. sure. The market... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you raise an interesting point that I hadn't really thought about it, that like... I guess in order for ball bearings to be effective, they have to be like truly identical, um, yeah, uh, yeah. which does seem mm. like kind of a pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Right. I guess what it raises for me is this thing of like we we must have known that they would be helpful before we made this machine. So we had some like there was some preliminary ball bearing probably that existed before the machine made one. But then how effective could that have possibly been, you know? Yeah, that's right. And it's also like, I think a lot of industrial goods where, you know, like before we had factories making forks, the town blacksmith would make a couple of forks for the richest person in town. And that was it. You totally. know, like, like there were versions of this that were handcrafted, uh, but for, <laughs> but for such some, an expensive price. <laughs> some Victorian lord at the top of a hill in a big manner with like a yo-yo that the townsfolk would all be really excited to come and see i demand more ball bearings so i can do sick ollies on my skateboard <laughs> yes lord <laughs> i'll show that tony hawk <laughs> tony hawk is like robin hood in the woods like he's yeah. a big outlaw they all can't stand <laughs> it's too good He's out there in the woods <laughs> doing, doing kick flips. <laughs> Other skating tricks that I definitely know. <laughs> but, uh, and yeah, this inventor, he, it really was a precision challenge. I'll also, uh, I'm going to link a book called The Perfectionist by Simon Winchester. It's all about like the history of mechanical precision and trying to get things down to exact and more and more exact levels. But uh, Fisher, he developed a machine for this in 1883 and then kept improving it. Uh, eventually, he could make them to an accuracy of 0. 0.0005 inches, I which just, is a I, tiny uh, fraction. <laughs> I just think of this person on this pursuit. Like, you know, you take anyone who has some kind of... Um, uh, you know, like particular passion and, and they're going yeah. to be a little bit um, hard to, to understand in some, in some regard, right. The sort of like, like mountain climbers, right. Where it's like, why are you climbing this impossible mountain? Like it seems hard and bad. And it's just like, I just got to do it. It's in me. But even like, mm. 
mountain climbers and stuff like there's a certain amount of like romance that you can see like you just have to imagine talking to this guy at a party or something and it's like what are you up to now yeah. and it's like it's like i'm making the perfect ball bearing it's like didn't you yeah. do that last year and it's like no but that was only 0. 0.001 uh, accurate i'm now getting it 0. 0.000001 it's like <laughs> You already you did it, man. You made yeah. a perfect sphere. It's like, no, it's not quite there. This guy was the absolute death of a cocktail party, for sure. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's like, oh, it's, it's like, yeah. It's everyone desperate to get away from this guy. It's like, well, I've made another ball, and this ball is even more ball-like than the previous ball. You, like, I have to get out of here. Not believe. I got caught in a quarter talking to this guy again. <laughs> Just like, if you see him approach me, please still be away. Oh, have you, have you met my friend here, uh, the ball bearing guy? It's like, oh, no, 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 no. It's like, oh, oh, hello oh, again, oh, Sam, um, perhaps you may recall last year when I told you about my perfectly yes. spherical sphere. It yes, might surprise no. you to learn that mm-hmm. my sphere has gotten even more spherical oh, in the ensuing months. Yes, now, please tell me about the journey from point zero 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 three. Well, I don't have to tell you. I can show you. Please look, oh. Sam, at these two spheres. Now, which one would you say is the most sphere-like? The difference is so... I, there is no difference to the naked eye. <laughs> oh, you're a cut-up, Sam. Of course, this one is the rounder sphere. <laughs> I mean, they're my, like... Yeah, that's this guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much it. This guy sucks. <laughs> totally revolutionized humanity, but, like, he's in the process. Come to bed. No, I have a rounder sphere today. <laughs> <laughs> like, imagine, like, a version of a Steve Jobs that's, like, you know, standing in front of, like, 40 company employees inspiring the troops, and it's just like, we can be rounder. <laughs> There, and there is like there is one way this guy might have been cool and exciting to people at the time because uh, <laughs> the ball bearing industry one of its like first huge customers was bicycles hmm. so like the general availability of ball bearings it made bicycles a lot more feasible a lot more possible uh, apparently totally. by the year 1896 fisher had a company going making 10 million ball bearings per week Oh because my God. like bicycles, uh, bicycles, the way we have them in modern times where it's not that one huge wheel, it's it's evenly sized wheels in front and back <laughs> yeah. that got going in the late 1880s and bicycles really got popular then and they needed ball bearings yeah. for all of them. This is like this is the way to be a very successful entrepreneur. I've I've heard is like you find the technology that's behind the technology. Like you mm, invent yeah. and patent that. And then anyone who needs an anything has to come to you for it. I have this like acquaintance of mine who uh, you know, I met through a through a friend of mine was you know, he invented something to do with the way that video game characters are rendered or something mm. like he patented nice. this technology and it's like oh yeah you would imagine that would be very useful and then it turns out he's worth like 250 million dollars or something like that <laughs> like oh my f- lord you know? <laughs> it's like you yeah. rather than going like deep on the vertical axis of something like bicycles you're going deep on the horizontal axis which is yeah. like what is something that a hundred different industries need I mean, that's, that is kind of a metaphor for the ball bearing itself, where it's like, it's like I don't need to make yeah. something new. I just need to make the thing that helps the other things. Uh, and if I, if I get yeah. that, then that's going to, yeah. Yeah. 
th- this takes. is we were talking about like how precise they are and so like, how are they actually made because they're just like solid metal balls right yeah it's like hard steel is, is it just like poured into a cast or something or pretty much i'm, I'm gonna link about it because it, it it's just pretty technical, but uh, mm. but yeah, it's, it's casting steel and then a lot of polishing and sanding. Like, there's some actual sand involved in smoothing them out, but uh. it's yeah, it's a whole thing. Yeah, because it's just I, an I, ice cube tray. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it just goes crack, crack, dumping. <laughs> well, you were you were talking about like the like the ball bearing factory for these these bikes, and like I I truly just like couldn't turn off like in my brain the sort of stupid Looney Tunes like uh, just like conveyor belts with balls just like you know like rolling everywhere, and it's like it's like I at first I was like that's ludicrous, that's that's a dumb image, and I was like no that could actually be it. I don't really know what it looks like when they're like yeah. at the ball bearing factory. Yeah, the the video I saw, it's a lot of like individual balls going down chutes in a line like that kind of like it's it's sort it's of a big yeah. marble slide the cartoon you think yeah that's ludicrous <laughs> i love that <laughs> just the whole factory of ball like the the ball bearing factory would look like what like if you had to tell if you asked a child to describe what a factory is it would just be like that it'd be like machines move stuff and stuff rolls around <laughs> totally. and then like rolls from yeah, here to there why is that ball rolling down there it's like that's where it rolls <laughs> like yeah. oh okay why <laughs> it's it's spinning distance from that classic comedy trope of like well dad works at the business factory you know right. <laughs> like what do we do we make the metal balls yeah, they're, they're such like a atomic unit of all machines that yeah, it's, yeah. it's like it's like a machine for machines. It's just uh, yeah. it's it's just recursive at some point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Next thing here is a big trumpet sound for a big takeaway. Before that, we're gonna take a little break. We'll be right back. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing, and wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! It's hard to explain what happens on Jordan Jesse Go. So I had my kids do it. Saying swear words. Saying swear words. Yeah, um, bad jokes. Bad jokes? Bad jokes. Maybe it's like you tell people that you're going to interview them and then you just stay there like, like really quiet and try and creep them out. <laughs> it's just really boring. Because of Jordan, right? Not me. Because of both of you. Oh. Subscribe to Jordan Jesse Go, a comedy show for grown-ups. And they're they're also in a lot of vehicles in particular. And uh, there's a couple other big takeaways for this main show that talk about that. Because here we go into takeaway number two. During World War II, 
the British and the Nazis tried to shut down each other's militaries by destroying each other's supply of ball bearings. <laughs> wow. This was like each of those groups, the British and the Nazis, had an idea at some point of like, if we mess with their access to ball bearings, they can't build most vehicles and artillery. So let's do that. I'm yeah, I'm going to say this is that cocktail party guy at work again where he's like, you know, the most important part of the war effort it might surprise you. No, it's not your friend, the bullet. It's ball bearings. <laughs> he, I mean, here he's doing a little better. He's being a little bit more interesting. It's like he's learned he can't talk about his factory for two months. He's bringing up the war. I mean, that's like ball, ball bearings are getting serious now. You know, yeah, they and this was especially World War Two because World War One had vehicles, but we have that somewhat accurate mental picture of like infantry and trenches, and there's not that many ball bearings involved. But World War Two, especially mm-hmm. the air forces, they needed ball bearings for everything they were doing with building a plane, running a plane. Uh, apparently, like for one example, the German aviation industry in World War Two, they used 2.4 million ball bearings per month just for building and repairing planes. Whoa. And so like, at some point, somebody in the British military and intelligence said, like, if they just didn't have ball bearings, like, they can't fly anymore, right? We, we win. That's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the world runs yeah. on balls. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, taking away their access to food or something as basic, right? It's just like, you know, yeah. you, you can't function without the this atomic unit and then you sort of imagine those like world war ii like propaganda posters where it's like <laughs> like keep keep a tight grip on your balls or like don't let old adolf get your balls <laughs> like, yeah a, a stern uncle sam being like you know uh like loose or, ball bearings will be the end of us all you might slip up just buy war balls like instead of the bombs i don't, yeah. I don't know <laughs> big letters <laughs> There's a few sources here, especially the UK National Army Museum and Smithsonian National Museum of American History. But yeah, they talk about how like World War II, they needed ball bearings for planes, tanks, machine guns, heavy artillery and submarines. So horses. This is weird. I don't know what they're doing in horses, but there it is. (laughs) You want your horses to turn, don't you? (laughs) How do you think horses move, sir? (laughs) And there's an odd thing where that previous number story, Friedrich Fischer, is an inventor of like modern ball bearing production. He also built that company and then he made his hometown Schweinfurt like the center of German ball bearing production. Uh, Apparently (laughs) from the 20s to the 40s, the population tripled as the Germans built a bunch of different plants for making ball bearings. And so then, like, allied airstrikes. I'm sorry, Alex. You're saying that the population tripled because there were so many balls in the area? (laughs) (laughs) Now, hold on a second. Now, hold on just one minute. (laughs) Let's be clear about this. (laughs) Sure, sure. Yeah. (laughs) It's funny that there's, like, a ball-bearing district in Germany then. Like, you know, it's like, uh, uh, you know, you think about, like, you know, being in entertainment it's like well you gotta be in new york or la like this is where the jobs are and there's someone who's like listen i, I want a job in 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 ball bearings but i i just don't want to move to to frankfurt or wherever, wherever it is like, it's like, well it's like, like that's the that's the reality it is like frankfurt that's just where the action is if you want to get in that ball bearing action it's like no you know, you're he's... going into vaudeville like your yeah. father and your father's father no i want to go to frankfurt, frankfurt. <laughs> 
into ball bearings. I want to be in a factory making perfect spheres. I mean, it is. It's really interesting to imagine that like there was a whole ball bearing like economy, like an, an entire town basically like hoisted up and and making sense economically by the grace of the value of tiny little steel balls. I mean, there's there's something both uh, beautiful and horrifying to me about that. Like, if I imagine mm-hmm. that I am like clocking in and out every day to to just make to make balls, <laughs> like solid metal balls. <laughs> yes. Like, there's something that that does feel sort of like like it's really in your face the sort of like existential like what am i doing with my life every day to be like mm-hmm. it's like i come in i make the balls like what do the balls do the balls do everything and nothing everything. they are they are everywhere yeah. and therefore they're nowhere um i make the balls <laughs> and uh and that's what i do clock in clock out the the balls get made they ship out of the factory and then it's time to make new balls um it's so like it's it's such like a perfect vague thing to make that it's like it like all you could focus on is like the act of work itself and the process of being like this is my job yeah (laughs) it's true like it's like you come home and there's the standard dinner table question of like how was work i feel like your answer would be like i don't remember (laughs) did i go to work i don't know yeah i also like the beautiful part of that though like it's so simple like what you're you're getting up and doing every day is so simple that it almost turns work into something like abstract you know, oh, it's yeah. like what we sure. do and everybody does the same thing. So it's not like you're like, it's almost like it's <laughs> uh, sort of everyone in this town does the same thing. You go to a party <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, you're in the ball industry, too. OK, cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's weirdly like utopian and dystopian at the same time. You know, no, no competition. We just all make the balls. Yeah, it's so it's pure. almost meditative. Like just the balls yeah. roll through. Yeah. But and, and also in in wartime with this town in particular, like the Allies started targeting it with airstrikes in particular because it, it was a military value. All the ball oh, bearings in the town, things um, aren't peaceful in the town of ball bearings after all. Yeah, and uh, and also there was um, a specific Allied strategy session where they decided that ball bearing factories were a key thing they needed to eliminate. Uh, In June 1943, the British and Americans co-signed an agreement called the Point Blank Directive, which laid out basically a power ranking of what were the most and least important military targets to hit. And second out of 19 different kinds of things was ball bearing manufacturing. (laughs) It was second only to like airplane factories making the actual airplanes. Like they said, if we can knock this out, they don't have an air force anymore and we should focus on this. See, I think that just makes it cooler. Like now you're like, I mean, you know, you're, you're wanted. You're, you're on a list to be assassinated. (laughs) Yeah. As a ballman. And, yeah. and, you're, and you're probably bringing that up all the time, right? It's like, you know, where they're like, it's like, what do you do? It's like, oh yeah, I make, I make little, the little metal balls. And it's like, oh, okay, cool. It's, like, it's actually, it actually, I'm a very important, the military said I'm the second most important uh, yeah. uh, person here. So. And, it's, and it's quite dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I am a target. I am high 
on the list yeah. of targets. Yeah, the new Top Gun movie was originally going to be about the ball bearing men, uh, and then <laughs> this was just how important uh, they are to. They are, it to only the became airmen on the sixth draft. It was <laughs> yeah. it was ball bearings for writers one through five. Why aren't these ball bearings ready yet? It will be ready, sir. <laughs> You think you can make a ball bearing one millimeter? I know I can. You're writing checks your body can't cash, Maverick. <laughs> Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise insisted on making the ball bearings himself. That's what I, heard. I heard that. Yeah, he's so committed. Yeah. It's great. And then there's a viral clip of him like hurting his hand a little bit, like ooh, out. Like, you know, like, <laughs> like wow, he tried so hard. <laughs> And, uh, and yeah, and so the, the British and Americans, they were not able to knock out Nazi production of ball bearings before they just won the war. Uh, so that, that mm. strategy didn't do it. But also before 1943, early in the war, the Nazis tried to cut off British access to ball bearings. And they did it by doing a naval blockade of Sweden. Whoa. So Sweden enters the picture here. And Sweden was officially neutral throughout the war. Um, but they were a major iron mining country and a big producer of simple metal machine parts, including ball bearings. And so the Nazis early in the war, like take over Norway and Denmark and then do a naval blockade of the water route between Sweden and Britain to try to mm. cut off British access to the ball bearings they bought. Uh, so Sweden was manufacturing the ball bearings? Yeah. And apparently Britain was getting about 20% of its ball bearings from Sweden at the start of the war. And so the Nazis were like, this is a way we can ground a bunch of their stuff if we knock that out. It's such a strange Whoa. supply line to think about, like uh, of being like, you think about cutting off like supply to food and like supply to, to arms, but like <laughs> just like a, a giant boat yeah. full of little metal balls. Yeah. Yeah. Middle supply. So they weren't supplying, they like hadn't picked sides, but they were supplying one side, not the other. Is that right? Yeah. And then I'll, I'll link about the details of it, but like throughout the war, Sweden did a lot of sort of supplying both sides, but increasingly the Nazis later in the war is they were cut off geographically and physically because mm. they were, it was, it was like, if we supply them some, they won't turn around and invade us and we can stay kind of neutral. So there, there was, there's like, Got it turns it. out a very in some cases, bitter historical debate about Sweden's role in World War II. Like, what side were they really on? Is it a whole thing? Yeah. Sure. If you look at them, the ball bearings. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, could, I could see them also, like, trying. It's like, it's like you're sending these ball bearings to, to the Allies. And it's like, no, these are the ball bearings for digging equipment. And I'm, like, listing all the other uses of all the yeah. These ball bearings are not for planes. That's not what they're for. These are <laughs> Just strictly like... for, for roller skates and for uh, mining equipment and little watches. That's what we're doing here. <laughs> Soup for Just my like family. A... You know? <laughs> A giant crate of yo-yos being sent from, from them to the British. It's like, no, no, no. These are just for entertainment. <laughs> yeah, and then and these were also, it was important enough to Britain that they actually organized a secret blockade run and snuck a bunch of ball bearings through, like, the Nazi blockade early in the war. Uh, there's a, it's a British, it's a clandestine guerrilla force called Special Operations Executive. In early 1941, they used small boats to sneak thousands of tons of ball bearings to the UK from Sweden uh, as like an early like success. Someone with like ball bearings in, in the bottoms of their shoes, like they're, they're like, ow, ow, ow. <laughs> ow, ow, ow. 
<laughs> coat pockets, you know. <laughs> they're trying to sneak through the dark and just, just like, making like little like loose change rattling sounds everywhere. They go. It's like it's like okay, we're playing cool. We're getting to the checkpoint. <laughs> They, they get knocked over. They just roll forever. <laughs> like, he's getting away. Demands his hat gets taken off. He takes off his hat and like hundreds of ball bearings fall. <laughs> just yeah. Fall down. yeah. Yeah. This was like a whole espionage focus. Like, you know, there's all the James Bond type espionage stories. And then there were these guys just slipping it through. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. <laughs> there's like the moment where they get the ball bearings and like one of them's, you know, like sort of tempted to be like, you know, we could just take these ball bearings and run. There's enough ball bearings here to... <laughs> start a new life <laughs> we can just get out of this whole dang thing the guy shoots him for even suggesting it <laughs> you traitor Linda, and then there's one more main takeaway from the main episode here and it's it's oddly connected to it but takeaway number three ball bearings from the world war ii aviation industry helped perfect and popularize ballpoint pens Hmm. Oh, it it turns out like I, I had never thought about it, but most ballpoint pens, it's a metal single ball is the ballpoint. And then no. uh, like yeah. so when we say ballpoint pen, we are referring to we might we might as well be saying ball bearing point pen. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Whoa. But we wouldn't because that's a tongue twister. Yeah, that's that's uh, Sam. Uh, There's terrible marketing. You don't call it a ball bearing point pen. Uh, no one will buy that. It's uh, uh, out of control. First, you want a one millimeter ball bearing. Now you're, you can't, I can't talk to you right now, Sam. I'm calling the ball bearing point pens from now on because I'm going to bring this this anecdote up to make myself look smart. Now I'm going to have to beg Mike to stay on the podcast again. Oh man. Wow. So okay. it was it, it was was it the uh, same bearings that were used in the planes that were then used in ballpoint pens or what what uh, is, what is the direct connection between those two? Yeah, so it turns out the chain is people invented ballpoint pens in like the late eighteen hundreds, but they didn't get the technology and the mechanical engineering to work well until all the way in the mid nineteen hundreds. Like it took some decades. Mm. And the they weren't round enough, I guess. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, like and precision, and and then the the first company that really got it right, they did it partly by getting good ball bearings from the same people supplying the British Royal Air Force with ball bearings. Like the they they Whoa. machined ball bearings well enough that they were like, give us some really small ones for pens, and then that was it. Oh, wow. And the, the main sources here are a piece for Air and Space magazine by Rebecca Maxell and a piece for BBC Future by Stephen Dowling. Uh, it turns out that the idea for ballpoint pens started with an inventor named John J. Loud, who filed a U.S. patent in 1888. So very old. He was like, 1888 yeah. is my mm-hmm. idea. But the whole pen just didn't work practically. And he also invented it just to write on uneven surfaces or like wood. He didn't realize that you could use it for all writing. And so his version of a ballpoint pen tore through paper. It was like only for hard things and nobody liked that. It was just just yeah. for scratching the that S on that cool S onto his desk. Uh, that's what he was that's <laughs> yeah. what he invented it for. Yeah. He was just a yeah, the stussy oh, well. the stussy pen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
that's interesting that's definitely like not the primary use case when it comes to writing implementations like i want to create a pen only for the stuff you shouldn't <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i can't wait to write on some paper with this oh no no sir sir please no uh, this <laughs> oh this isn't for paper no. this is for vandalism that's what yeah. this one's for yeah and then like he just kind of let that patent lapse and then decades later other people picked up this idea because because at the time there had been like dipping something in ink pens and then fountain pens came along where you have the ink inside the pen but they wanted something that writes more smoothly and more evenly and a hungarian journalist named laszlo biro uh, filed a british patent in 1938 and that was the first like modern ballpoint pen maker was this guy and but he also struggled with the technology, like, like mainly just getting the pen engineered properly. In particular, getting the ink to work well and the ballpoint to work well. That that was just difficult early on. Um, I I know this this section only because I, I at one point was like. Why do British people call ballpoint pens biros? <laughs> and I had to look it up. Um, but that's yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's named after this dude. <laughs> exactly. Huh. Yeah, it's a guy. That's interesting. So the ballpoint pen. I mean, I feel like maybe ball bearing like, point pen, ball bearing point pen. <laughs> I yeah. feel like intuitively I know this, but it, it the ball is like moving around as you. It is like rolling yeah. around as you use it. Yeah, like imagine, imagine. Uh, this is great, great for podcasting. Imagine my finger here. <laughs> imagine my fingers. The yeah. See, you have the ink inside, and the tip is the yeah. ball. So the back of the ball is always getting touched with ink. And so as it rolls, right. it picks up ink, and it just keeps picking up ink from the back and spreading it onto the paper in the front because it's rolling. Well, yeah, that is, that's really yeah. interesting. Yeah. So how come in other types of pens, um, you know, the ink doesn't just spill all out? What <laughs> 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 keeps the I ink guess. in pens? Yeah, I mean, like, it could be that, like, most pens are bought. But I don't think, like, this is my favorite pen. Also great for a podcast. This is the G2. Um, oh, yeah, sure. That also used to be yeah. a bomber, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is actually, uh, this is made of uh, old landmines. Um, <laughs> don't wonder... click it the wrong way. Whatever you do. <laughs> no, certainly not. Behave 007, but with all pens. Like all writing implements ever. <laughs> Uh, apparently also when ballpoint pens came out some people thought they were like killing creativity because with a fountain pen the ink's coming out unevenly <laughs> in a way where you can do interesting calligraphy kind of stuff and a ballpoint pen it's just the same line all of the time and mm. they were like oh writing will lose all personality but we we don't mind it we just got into it <laughs> oh that's so funny <laughs> it's the same as the ball bearing conversation we we're having earlier it's not unique anymore they're yeah. all streamlined now that we make them by machine yeah, personality yeah. will be lost yeah that is interesting is that is that something that i mean i guess i could see I'm, I'm trying to imagine caring about that. Like, I'm just, like, putting myself in that mindset where it's like, oh, I guess you could see if someone's, like, stroke was a little bolder in one, in one area. or That feels like the nth degree of, like, reading into a text, you know? Or, like, you get a text that just says, like, sure. And you're like, what does this mean? He says, sure. Like, does that mean, yeah. like, sure? Or does that mean, like, sure? Like, what is going on here? But, like, if you could also be, like, the S is a little darker like there's more <laughs> ink on that S. Do you think? Because he was like pushing down hard. Yeah, he, he was, was angry. He was frustrated. I think it's a when frustrated he wrote S, S there, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think it's also just individualism lost, right? Like when I'm sure this was the same was true when we moved to to 
you know, the printing press that it's like so much personality is lost in that transition. And it'll be the case again when all of our jobs are taken over by artificial intelligence. Well, where it'll be like, <laughs> oh, now the individual, you know, can't as much come through because it's the amalgamation of all of our thoughts and work for forever and ever. But we'll get used to it. I love I love imagining the hipster who's on the Gutenberg Bible, you know, and it's like, like they, they bring up this pretty person, it's like, finally, like the word for the masses, we can turn around books like yeah. this. And there's some like monk who's just like, ugh, every letter looks the same. There's no personality <laughs> yes. in here at all. It's like, but yes, books for books for everyone, books for the masses, education can spread. It's like, yeah, but what do you lose? Is it worth it? Is yeah. it really worth it in the process? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every time I write God, it's a little different, you know, depending on context. It's like. <laughs> I feel like that really comes through and is lost here. Where are the little bunnies yeah. in the margins? Where are the snails? <laughs> Where are the, <laughs> where's the gold leaf in the first letter? There's nothing here. <laughs> but then, and yeah, this guy, Biro, decides to start a whole company for making these. He also uh, gets support from like the government of Argentina. So he and his brother moved to Argentina to start making these. But the two breakthroughs they need to make the pens actually work consistently is his brother is a chemist and makes better pen ink that will flow the exact right way. Oh, nice. And then Laszlo Biro gets connected to the British Air Ministry and convinces them that the the Air Ministry needs ballpoint pens because they'll work better at high altitudes. Like they'll flow more evenly, and so the air pressure won't mess with the writing. Oh, now is that true? Is that actually true of ballpoint pens, or is that just his talking point? I, I believe it is true as well. Yeah. Okay. So he so he did like smartly use science. He was wow. like, "I'm not making it up." And they're like, "Ah, it's true." Uh, and so then it is they, fun to imagine an aviator like thousands of feet in the air, um, but writing with like a big feather quill. <laughs> 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 something about the combination of like high tech and like really old he's like this something's wrong here <laughs> like he gets distracted and just writes a bible like ah dang it this yeah. wasn't my job <laughs> i was <Yeah>. navigating <laughs> okay I'm supposed to be taking notes on the coordinates uh, of this uh said i wrote a beautiful poem <laughs> <laughs> and uh then so then byro convinces the british air ministry to set aside a little bit of ball bearing production for ballpoint pen tips and then they make great pens with that and then continue to do that after the war. And that helps make like ballpoint pens were apparently very faulty until the 1940s. And then they finally started working well. So, wow. so to be, sorry, to be, to be clear, then the because uh, I got my timeline confused for a second there. He was he was still getting the ball bearings for these ballpoint pens like, wow. What, like during the war when they were like these ball bearings are the most precious thing to the war effort right now uh and they were still like yeah, yeah. but use them for your pens exactly yeah because they he convinced them like part of your war effort is the navigators on bombers need to take notes with pens and so please help me <laughs> use a couple of tiny ball bearings for this and they made it happen I guess I guess you probably wouldn't have been making a very tiny plane with those tiny ball bearings, right? Like those those were <laughs> you probably weren't using those for <laughs> for anything other than than pens at that point, I would guess. Yeah, and, and apparently he sold them thirty thousand pens, and thirty thousand pens oh. is an amount of pens. But like we said before, the the Germans were using millions of ball bearings a month for their air force. Like the at, at the scale they were making these at, it was a drip in the bucket. Like it was fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're all in one drawer in one of these 
people's houses just like all these pens and not one of them works i swear there's thirty thousand pens in here and they're all dead i should just throw them away but no i'm throwing them back in the drawer That is the main episode for this week. My thanks to Sam Reich and Mike Trapp for really diving deep on this topic that is very mechanical engineering and, you know, not every comedian would take this journey with me, you know, so I really appreciate both of them doing it. Anyway, I said that's the main episode because there is more secretly incredibly fascinating stuff available to you right now. If you support this show on Patreon.com, patrons get a bonus show every week where we explore one obviously incredibly fascinating story related to the main episode. This week's bonus topic is a kind of ball bearings that make buildings more earthquake-proof. Visit SIFpod.fun for that bonus show, for a library of more than 10 dozen other bonus shows, and to back this entire podcast operation. And thank you for exploring ball bearings with us. Here's one more run through the big takeaways. Takeaway number one, ball bearings are a mechanical middleman for machine parts. Takeaway number two, during World War II, the British and the Nazis tried to shut down each other's militaries by destroying each other's supply of ball bearings. And takeaway number three, ball bearings from the World War II aviation industry helped perfect and popularize ballpoint pens. Those are the takeaways. Also, please follow my guests. They're great. And in particular, please follow them to dropout.tv. Dropout has an entire library of classic college humor stuff and an entire growing every week library of new shows. And if you support it, you get not only all those shows, but also a Discord to hang out with other people who are enjoying it and talking about it. And both my guests this week do a lot of things there, including each hosting a game show. Not not a lot of super funny game shows out there, but Dropout has multiple of them. Uh, multiple of them? Weird phrase. Anyway. Sam Reich hosts Game Changer. Game Changer is a game show where there are different rules every episode. The show is different every show, and it's awesome. And Um Actually is hosted by Mike Trapp. That is a show of competitive correcting each other. You know, that phrase like, um, actually, like that vibe, but... Both shows are comedians as contestants and very, very funny shows. Also, I got to guest on Um Actually once, so you can look that up if you check it out on Dropout. But please check out Dropout in general. It's a really cool evolution of college humor and also totally new thing all at once. And really rooting for them. And also they make awesome stuff, so it's worth your time and your support. Check it out. Many research sources this week. Here are some key ones. I lean out a lot of World War stuff from the Smithsonian National Museum of American History, also the UK National Army Museum for how the special operations executive worked in the UK, uh, an amazing piece for Air Force Magazine by John T. Carell. Then also I want to highlight Air and Space Magazine and BBC Future about ballpoint pens. Anyway, find those and many more sources in this episode's links at sifpod.fun. And beyond all that, our theme music is Unbroken Unshaven by the Budos Band. Our show logo is by artist Burton Durand. Get that logo on a t-shirt at sifpod.store, a store in partnership with Topatico. 
Special thanks to Chris Souza for audio mastering on this episode. Extra, extra special thanks. Go to our patrons. I hope you love this week's bonus show about earthquakes and more. And last thing, I have a quick programming note here. Last year, I put up a holiday message instead of a full episode on the Monday falling between Christmas and New Year's. I think that was a very healthy practice, and so I'm going to keep that practice going. December 26th, there's going to be a holiday message for you. That's next week. Then the week after that, a full new episode to ring in 2023. So I'm thrilled to say we will be back with a message next week. And then after that, a full new episode of secretly incredibly fascinating... So how about that? Talk to you then.